With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to the rather drab affair that was Chelsea nil, Liverpool nil in the Premier League from Stamford Bridge are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. I've had more crack, Dave, watching football. I've certainly had more crack. Um, pretty dire display, disjointed and... Um, lacking in any inspiration at all. Uh, I, I hoped in the early goings maybe that we were seeing a little bit, maybe Bobby Firmino perhaps going to do some nice stuff and maybe we might get something together with this drastically changed lineup, um, but wasn't to be. And as the game went on, I don't know about you, but I found myself just really, really dying for the final whistle because it was basically time in my life. I'm never going to get back again. Oh, within 10 minutes, I was hoping the game was going to end real quick. I was hoping for some sort of, you know, lights go out type of situation or the smoke alarms go off and they have to evacuate the stadium or something because that was one of the worst games of football you'll see in the Premier League all season. If you took somebody who, let's say, was a lifelong Serie A fan who didn't watch Premier League football and showed them that and told them these are the two teams at the bottom of the league, they would 100% believe you that that was a relegation scrap between two sides full of grocks because it was just, it was genuinely shocking. They you were the expression back in the day between, it was, it was Chelsea Liverpool specifically. I know your, I know your, um, animus towards Chelsea is, is as strong as mine. Mm. I genuinely detest them. But there was a brilliant phrase back in the heyday of the, the inverted commas rivalry with Rafa and Mourinho. And there was an expression, I can't, I'm struggling to think about it. It was something to do with shit and, and the end of a stick. <laughs> but basically the, the gist of it was that there, it was awful football, two teams yeah. cancelling each other out. Now, the, the difference back then was it was two teams cancelling each other out with good footballers doing some good football stuff. Yeah. And great tactical plans from the two managers. Yeah. Yeah. But this very much seemed like, you know, two managers that just told the lads should go out and have a run around, lads, and just see what happens. Like, they're in pretty terrible form. They've just sacked their manager. They got beaten at home by a mediocre Aston Villa team last time out. They're completely disjointed. 
most of these players in their team have played no more than a handful of games together because they've signed 73 footballers over the last two transfer windows. And yet they were still far better than us on the day. And that's just how bad we were. I, I thought we had like four good minutes at the end of the first half, and uh, mostly the stoppage time. And other than that, I just thought we looked really, really poor. Now, admittedly, that's a back four that have never played together before. It's a front three that I wouldn't imagine have played together before, certainly from a start. So you can kind of understand that. But, I mean, once again, our biggest issue was right in the middle of the park. And just to give people an idea of what we got out of the midfield three, um, Fabinho played the entire game, uh, attempted eight ground duels, one, two, lost possession nine times, uh, one, sorry, two blocks, sorry, one block, one interception, and uh, two tackles. Uh, Curtis Jones played 70-odd minutes, uh, attempted 10 ground duels to his credit, won only three of them, though, gave possession away 12 times, one clearance, and two tackles. And our captain um, played all 96 minutes or 95 minutes. Uh, two attempted ground duels, one only one of them, um, which is one that he had the ball for because he also dribbled past somebody, so it's that one. He lost possession 15 times, uh, zero clearances, zero blocks, zero interceptions, and zero tackles. I don't really know how it is you could play in that particular game where much of the game was played in the middle of the park and not make a single tackle and only be involved in two ground duels. That, that to me, seems like you're actively trying to avoid them. Um, we, we got nothing out of that midfield today. Curtis, I thought, had an, had an okay game. I would say he was the best of the midfielders. I thought Fabinho was quite lucky not to get booked early on for the challenge that he made, and that could have potentially led to problems afterwards. He just seemed slow to pretty much every ball. Um, the centre-backs, you could tell that that's not a partnership that plays together a whole lot. You could tell Joe Gomez hasn't played a lot of right-back in the last couple of years with injuries and whatever else. And Costas... We call for Costas to get chances, and when he does get a chance, when Robbo does get left out, Costas too often turns in a performance like that, which is well below the level of what we know he's capable of. I just thought, all things considered, Jürgen made these changes to his team. Assuming he, he wanted to... I'm, I'm assuming he wanted to spark some sort of reaction. He, he didn't get any kind of reaction today. He got, he got absolutely nothing out of that team. And we're very, very fortunate that we didn't lose that particular game because as bad as they were, we managed to be even worse. That's the thing, isn't it, Harry? They had, um, they had by far the better of, of it, um, as a game. Um, they looked as if they had something creatively. Uh, their finishing was mm. pretty appalling and they did have, the opposite of the rub of the green, um, with the two disallowed goals, uh, on, on another night, we're well beaten. Let's put it this way. Um, 
Jorginho, or, uh, sorry, yeah, Kovacic particularly should have done better on a couple of occasions. Uh, it felt, like I said, as the clock was ticking on, just very much like, I, I don't know, was I indifferent? Did I, was, was, was the tension because maybe that point might be enough in some crazy version of reality? to do something for us I don't know maybe it'll get us into the Europa Conference League or something but I am uh, I have to say it was dispiriting how little just to to pick up I I know I should I know I should be challenging Dave uh, but uh, in 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 in, as is often the way I find myself agreeing with that with that assessment that you know there's nothing there was nothing there for from us creatively harry there was nothing to spark the imagination and the players that were selected uh just to take the the the, the glare off jürgen well they should have done better they have it in them to do better they did not yeah i, th- I think we've been having similar conversations for a while now in terms of it feels like for us when we're looking at these podcasts that we've got left for this season you know, somewhat phoning it in at this stage to to a degree because I I don't I, I don't believe the belief is really there at the moment amongst the fan base, um, or certainly not sort of the realists amongst the fan base in terms of sort of we've got enough evidence now this season that it appears to me that actually um, Klopp the coaching staff don't don't really seem to be aware of a uh, a way to turn this around. There's been points where we've stumbled onto tactical setups and approaches that looked as as though that they could work or be a, at least a function better with the sort of the compromised squad that we've got at the moment uh, and then we've abandoned them a few ga- games later to go back to a tactical setup that we know that we can't really play at the moment we don't have the players to play this way so it's, it's one thing seeing all these changes you know, like some people are saw some people call it rotation some people talking about players being dropped this and that manager manager looking for a reaction I mean Matip and Kanate like not a partnership and to be so high up uh, with when the midfield is in the state that it's currently in uh, and offering the level of protection that currently is, it's just, you're, you're asking to get hammered. And I, I really did feel as though um, to be honest, if Chelsea had Darwin Nunez up front, to be honest, they probably would have won that game two, three nil missed a couple chances as well in there as well, but been comfortably home and dry uh, I expect if, if Arsenal were, had, had created those chances and, and when we play them next, uh, they would have buried um, a hatful of them. We saw City bury uh, a hatful of them, miss a hatful of them as well, um, just a few days ago. So it's 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 very dispiriting. On on paper, a point away at Chelsea is is, is not a bad result. Uh, in reality, it's it's a ragged performance. It's a shapeless performance in attack. We've got an eighty million pound striker pushed out on the left wing, uh, asked to basically chase hit and hope balls all evening. Uh, it's really at times, I mean, the quality of football was so poor. And yet there were still moments in the game where you, you looked at the clock and you looked at the number of chances Chelsea had missed. And you could tell, you could tell by the way in which the crowd was reacting, the way in which some of those players sort of shoulders dropped a little bit as well, heads dropped, that their confidence was brittle. And to be honest, it probably was a one-goal game. If Liverpool had grabbed that somewhere undeservingly, I don't think it would have been a surprise if we won that game because I don't think Chelsea's confidence is is that high at the moment that they do look a thoroughly lacking in confidence side. And the fact that we couldn't even muster 
enough to have a coherent pattern of play, like show some sign of where a goal might come from other than individual brilliance. I, I thought it was really uh, a real um, indictment, to be honest, on on the manager and the coaching staff. Again, not much was going to change from the previous game. We know that there wasn't a lot of time to work on like you know, big tactical shifts or things like that. But you, know, you do think about playing, maybe playing the, the main goal threat we've had all season through the middle at, at least for 20 minutes in that game may have offered us something, especially when it became a little bit open and ragged towards the end. So, yeah, really dispiriting. Um, and it's, it's hard to look at that team and think that they don't dislike each other at the moment and uh, that they're not all pretty much going through the motions. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. When you when you have a look, I'll let you in a sec, Dave. Uh, when you have a look at some of the carry on on the park in terms yeah. of body language um in terms of this attitudinal thing that we've been seeing all season um i was talking to you guys before we uh, started recording about how it was getting comical the amount of liverpool players who were jumping backwards into yeah. challenges with one leg up and one arm up and sort mm. of dancing around the place we misplaced so many passes and yet harry yet i'm looking at this match stats the big ones they had 12 shots to our seven that doesn't seem as much of a mismatch as it was not they had three shots on target to our four what What? one of our shots though and one of our shots on target was that kind of clip from henderson from about 35 yards that Koulibaly stopped 15 yards out that probably didn't have the legs to get to the goal line anyway. Probably. That was our, that was our first shot in the game. That's right, the long shot where he was in nearly and uh, kind of in the, in the halfway line zone. Mm. Um, they had 49% possession to our 51. Mm. Um, we played more passes than them. Our pass accuracy is equal to theirs in the night. Uh, oh. These stats are absolutely lying to me because, like I say, the most infuriating thing about it is what you, the way you describe, we just could not get anything going. There was no sign of any um, to go back to the point Dave was making, any sort of reaction of any sort, mm. um, attitudinally, effort-wise, yeah. um, I, I, I hoped in the opening seconds or in the opening few minutes there might be something. I thought Bobby looked quite bright, and I thought maybe we're going to build something around this. Yeah, nothing happened. Nothing yeah. materialised, and we bring on we bring on a world superstar like Mo Salah with mm. adequate time. And we, we we don't get the ball to him, Harry. Can't give him a Starve him off the ball. I'm, I'm, yeah. You know, you look at you look at our tactical plan in that game. Um, it just seemed to be give it to Darwin and hope for the best. Which you know, yeah, but, but, has, but give 
give him shit passes as oh, well. Oh yeah, give him mm-hmm. give him shit passes to chase. Like nothing actually that will help him. Nothing in a a position where he might be able to you know get a shot away. But the problem with giving it to Darwin is that we're playing him as a left winger. And on that side of the pitch, they have Reese James, yeah. who's one of the best right backs in Europe, and Wesley Fafana, who's their best centre back and one of the best young centre backs in, in Europe. And they've also got Enzo Fernandez dropping back in from that midfield role, who's an outstanding footballer. You know, we, we had a lot of the ball, but most of that ball that we had was knocking it back and forth between our defenders or our defenders and midfielders. There was very little of that that was progressive. There was very little of that was combinations between our midfield and our attack because we were just completely disjointed. If you swap the midfield they had with the penetration that they were able to get and the passing ability for our midfield, I think we would have wiped the floor with, with what the rest of those teams were. Um, like if you look, you line up those six midfielders that started, you're taking their three all day, each one of them over any of ours. And that's quite a, a damning indictment of the state of our team right now. I mean, like I said earlier, I thought Curtis did okay, but I would say he was a six out of ten at best. He kept he, falling over as well. For he, did. He, he, he seemed to have serious problems keeping his balance. Yeah. Now, there was one or two of their lads that, that that happened to as well. When they go to turn quickly, it was like their feet would give way. I don't know whether the pitch was very wet or maybe the, the, the sod on the ground is, is a bit slippy. Who knows? But, yeah. like... I saw some remarkable criticism for like for Jones though. Like it's uh, you, you think about what we've been seeing this season. You think about from like how many different players we've been seeing it from, and uh, some some of the repeat offenders. And I don't even know when Jones last played a full game or like started started a game in the Premier League. I'm guessing That's it was a, a while ago, right? He he doesn't like he's been in in and around the squad now for what three four years. I know he had some injuries this season. I, I accept that. But like this season, he had just has not been given any kind of opportunity. He played 79 minutes today. Since the 29th of October at home to Leeds, when he came on as a sub for 30 minutes, right. he had played 16 against Spurs, that was the next game. Then he didn't play again till Brentford, which because of the World Cup break was nearly two months. He played seven minutes. He played eight minutes two weeks later at home to Chelsea. He played five minutes in the 7-0 win over Manchester United. Um, he played 24 minutes against Wolves in the Cup replay and 11 minutes against Brighton in the, uh, in the FA Cup. And aside from that, uh, he hasn't played. The last game Curtis started before this was the home game to Napoli in the Champions League, which was the 1st of November, and he played left wing in that game. And the last Premier League game he started was the 22nd of October against Nottingham Forest. And that's the only other Premier League game he has started this season. So in this season, that's almost over. We've got 10 games left. Curtis Jones has started four games for Liverpool. But he's in that weird club of... Uh, Three games. With, Three games um, Liverpool. Yeah, he's in that weird club with um, 
Naby and Ox of, yes, there have been injuries, but he's also been available a lot for selection. He's and been not, fit, and, since, he's fit since the middle of October. Yeah, he has been fit since the middle of October and he has not been given opportunities. He no. doesn't even make the squad most weeks. And so, when Jürgen points at injuries and, you know, fair enough, we have had injuries this season, but Curtis, Naby and Ox have been fit for months. Months. Now, Naby's hurt again now, but whatever. But they've been fit for months. They haven't been given a look in. I hope to God the lad gets a, a, a proper loan move or just a, tran- a transfer because he's a good footballer. He is a good footballer. He is a good football. footballer. There's no question he's a good footballer. He's a much better midfielder than Harvey Elliott. I'm sorry. It's not that yep. pop at Harvey. He's just not a midfielder. Curtis is a midfielder. He is a midfielder. He's a naturally talented midfielder. He's got the size. He's got the physique. He's got the technical ability. Yes, his decision-making is a little bit questionable, but his effort levels isn't. His effort levels isn't at all. He he went into five times more ground jewels tonight than his captain in 16 minutes less. Just consider that for a second. Five times more ground jewels. And he That's was going up against Enzo. Yeah. Henderson was going up against Kovacic. Kovacic carries the ball a lot more. Enzo gets it and gives it. He, doesn't, he himself does not carry the ball into jewels. He gets rid of it first time. Curtis puts in the shift. I... I understand why people have frustrations with him because I think the big thing is we can all see the talent. Nobody can deny that this kid has a lot of talent. And given what happened when Trent got real opportunity and what he exploded to become, I think some people just had it in their heads. Curtis was going to be the next one. He's going to be as good because he's, you know, similarly talented, not to the level of Trent, but he's got a lot of things he does really well. And it just hasn't happened. But a big part of why it hasn't happened is because he hasn't been used right. He doesn't get opportunities. Last season, at the end of last season, when our midfield was blowing out of its arse, he wasn't even making the matchday squad. It, it, it's, it's a weird one as well, because it, it, it did look like for a while that they were trying to make him or mould him into more of a Ginny-type role in the team, where he just, he just focused on retention. Mm. Like keeping the ball, uh, and some of that natural flair was subdued a little bit. And yeah, I, I feel like he just got lost. Growth. I think it stunted his growth. And I remember a couple of years ago when Curtis was really starting to, you know, to feature coming off the bench, the odd start here and there. I remember, I remember Brundish saying, by this might have been the title winning season. By next season, Curtis and, it might have been the season after. Anyway, by next season, Curtis and Henderson will basically be sharing one position. And they'll split minutes between them. It just hasn't happened. And like last season, he got the eye injury, but he was fit from late December on. And he's just not getting game time. He's, you know, if he is in the squad, he's on the bench. He started four games after October last season, having started a run of three in a row. It just, it doesn't really make, it doesn't really make sense. Sorry, he started seven games after October, having started four in a row that he was in the squad for in the league. See, it, it just makes no sense. He just disappeared. Just disappeared. People forget how some of the good performances he put in. Last season against City, in the league, at Anfield, he was excellent. But in the area where we've been most horrifically bad, uh, we have this kid who could do something if he was given a run, and it hasn't happened. It's one of those 
uh, ongoing kind of head scratching moments that you have when you're looking at, at the manager. And we're going to get into the more traditional uh, layout of the show now, Harry, by having a look at the teams. And I know uh, Guy and Carl did a scouted for this one. Uh, and I'm, I know that you've done your, your, your um, uh, rival recon for it as well. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Chelsea mm. and their lineup. Um, it, it, it has to be said. Can we also just put it out there? It has to be said. <laughs> I'm looking at this Bruno lad and I'm thinking, are you a bit of a treacherous bastard? You know, I mean, like, unless I'm mistaken, Potter brought him to Chelsea mm. with him, right? Not only that, <laughs> not only that, Chelsea didn't want to take him. He had to interview for that job. Even though Potter was insistent, he had to interview for the job. And Potter really had to push to get him in the door because Chelsea didn't think he was worth bringing. And here he is just going, I love that. <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah. weird. Uh, I'm not, I'm really not sure. And, and you know, that quote, I, I was listening to, to your, um, to your show earlier, Dave, I, I, you, you, there was, was, I think it was your show where, where the, the quote was basically, I've never even picked a team before. Yeah, he said he's <laughs> never, he's never in his life picked a team for a game before. Holy shit. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we're, we're going to start with Chelsea in an inversion of the usual. Um, and the way he went, um, Harry was Kepa, Fafana, Kulabali, Kukureya, uh, James, Fernandez, Kante, Chilwell, Havertz, Kovacic, and Joao Felix. And before anything else, there's a hell of a lot of good footballers in that team. Holy shit. This is what was really worrying me about this. They have so many good footballers, like really good footballers. Kante, of course, manages to get back and be fit to play against us. And he's, you just see this guy. He's just so good. On their bench, they've got Badiashile. They've got, um, Pulisic, Loftus Cheek, Mudrick, Mendy, Sterling, Mount, Gallagher, Madweke. It's unbelievable the depth that this squad has. So, even a sort of Make-A-Wish Foundation manager like Bruno should be able to cobble together something. So what did you think of the way that they went in terms of the lineup? I have to say I was nervous about it because I think it actually looked like quite a coherent unit. And had they the wherewithal to pop away chances, um, it would have been. Yeah, but seen variations on this. I mean, in, in some of the last lineups you saw under Potter, usually sort of three at the back, uh, three, four, three at times. I mean, like sort of five in midfield, like largely, um, for the majority of the game, given how high James and Chilwell were at times. And in, in, in the defense, Koulibaly's been a fixture there for sort of in recent weeks anyway. Cucurella and Fafano, I think, as, as Dave mentioned, I think is their most talented uh, defender as well. Um, he's been a real boost since he's come back into the team. There's been some debate about Kepa and sort of whether or not as soon as Mendy's fit, should, should they should they bin Kepa again? And it seems to be sort of a debate that's open, um, opened up on him. But then similar to you, Trev, I was looking through the team. And, I mean, certainly in the middle of the park, I mean, Reese James, we know how influential he is for them. Chilwell, we know how influential he is for and has been for them. Kovacic, Enzo Fernandez, and N'Golo Kante. Yeah, I think any of them get into our team. Um, like it's a, it's a, it's a formidable 
midfield unit on paper as well. It's like weird to see them perform in the way in which they actually ended up doing, to be honest. And Jao Felix, all the talent in the world and just wondering whether or not he's going to actually put it together and sort of has his development been somewhat stunted, um, given the style of football that yeah, he was, or, or the way in which he was being played for, for Atletico, who knows? Maybe it's just a personal thing for, with him. Kai Havertz as well, another one. You think about his, um, the, the hype around Kai Havertz, the, the performances we saw in the Bundesliga and then, um, just so lacking for, for Chelsea in, in sort of recent times and no conviction in front of goal, never looks confident. Even the chance that he was, that was disallowed, he, he sort of messed up the 1v1 and you just, yeah, just, I, I wasn't too intimidated by the fact that, uh, Kai Havertz was starting. Uh, there was a little bit of a debate as to whether or not Mudrick might start. Seen a couple of, um, performances where they'd lined up with him as well. Uh, but yeah. Pretty much, it's 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 what you've seen in recent weeks in terms of the lineup and how they're trying to uh, make themselves somewhat more threatening. And you can see there into the chance creation. I thought they did create a lot of pretty good opportunities. But that final pass, the final ball, real conviction in terms of the the, the strikers or the forwards who are coming onto the ball for those crucial you know, those crucial moments, just not there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting a dispirited. Um, team to come into this despite the fact that the manager's been sacked um, and to be honest the performance that we got um, albeit there could have been two three goals ahead was largely what I expected with that lineup yeah I mean I, I, hard to argue I think you've said there and 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 the reason I've sort of flipped it around a bit is because mm. Harry I want you to jump in here as well if you want yeah uh, on Liverpool on the back of me just saying to Dave what do you think Kloppo was going for there um, in terms of the lineup? What, 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 what's your take on what it is he was trying to do? Because um, we know that he meant he made his um, really, really hard to understand comment about how the four players who came away with some credit were Ali, the captain, um, Fab, and mm. Cody Gakpo. Yeah, um, and so Cody. Is on the bench. Uh, okay, so yeah, already I'm <laughs> confused. Uh, what's happening here? Um, we started. We we started today with Alison Joe Joe Gomez at right back, Kanate and Matip, as you guys have mentioned before, an unusual uh, or a not familiar partnership. Simic is the far side who had uh, honestly a mare. Uh, uh, Jones, Fab, and Henderson, uh, Jota, Firmino, and Nunes. So. Just to throw this at you first, Dave, what is it you think he was trying to do there? What 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 does that team say to you? What's what was the plan? I'm hoping to be the next manager sacked. I I don't know. I, I, other than I genuinely don't know. I really don't know what his plan was. Like I, if Virgil is sick, then fair enough. But I have doubts. Virgil is actually sick. I think. So you was, think there's a fallout there? <clears throat> no, I think he was just dropped. I think okay. he was just dropped or perhaps rested because Virgil has spoken a couple of times this season about how he's feeling burnt out and he does play an important role for his national team and plays pretty much every game for them. So maybe he was just left out. Maybe he is sick. I, I, I don't know. But like, I wasn't too upset at the centre-back pairing. I wasn't upset by Gomez coming in because I think Trent deserved to be dropped. Yeah. I, I didn't mind Costas coming in because I thought Robbo deserved to be dropped. 
Well, they all did. So uh, anyone that came in would have been fine, really, right? Yeah, in in defence for certain, but I I don't understand what he was doing in attack. I really don't. Like Diogo Jota has stunk the place out of it since coming back from injury, and now has the Arsenal game at the weekend to avoid going an entire calendar year without a goal, which for a striker who'll have made over thirty appearances. That is absolutely abysmal. What do you um, think? What do you think about the concept? I've I was listening to the under pressure lads earlier. Uh, what do you think about the concept that perhaps Diogo is a good system player and he does he does the things that he's tasked to do? And you couldn't fault his, for example, his industry tonight. Mm. Um, is there a lot to be said for that in terms of why he is selected there? <laughs> Is there a lot to be said? <laughs> so your iPhone does not uh, does not have the answers. <laughs> wow, that was, that was a nice little interjection. Sorry no, about that. Lads. You're right. Jota is a good system player, but that system requires creativity. And the fact of the matter is that that team that started tonight is without our two best creative players in. Mo and Trent, the two guys that created most of the chances that Jota scored when he was in his hot streak, was also missing Andy Robertson, another one who created a lot of chances for him. And it was also missing Thiago. So I think when you've got no creative players in your team other than Bobby, I just don't think you can play Jota. I think you've got to have multiple creators for him to be effective because let's be really honest here. His, his technical level, is very low. He's a grafter. He's instinctive. He's got great movement in and around the box. And when his finishing, finishing is one and two touch stuff, then he's really effective. When you're asking him to play wide and therefore become part of the creative group, he's really going to struggle. Um, I didn't understand leaving Gakbo out because if, if he was one of the four that impressed you, against City, why has he been left out? Maybe he's been saved for Arsenal, who knows? But the issue is is that mess in midfield. Like, you come out and you give a press conference where you say, the door is wide open for everybody. Well, it, it's not, because you've got a captain-shaped blockard in the, in the middle of the door, and he's playing regardless of how he performs. He was awful against City. And I don't care what Jürgen says. He was awful against City. And there he is starting again. And there he is turning in another awful performance. And does anyone think he's not starting against Arsenal? Like, if we're basing this on a meritocracy, he shouldn't be in the team. Now, you can absolutely make the same argument for Fabinho. He shouldn't be in the team either. Uh, can, I just, can I just challenge your Henderson opinion there? Of course you can. Yeah. Um, can I challenge it by saying that not only do I agree, but I'd like to double down and say that this lad needs to be saved from himself. He's out there tonight giving absolute double barrels to mm. everybody else on the pitch. There's a really unfortunate clip going, doing the rounds on Twitter of Henderson squaring up to Ali. Yeah. 
And look, the context, whatever, in that context, in that moment, perhaps he had a, maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's a call for, for a captain that Ali had a couple of stupid things that he did and a little bit, a couple of little. But it's not in that moment though. No, well, it's not in that I, moment. In that again, moment, he has no thought, right to say anything because what was the context? That's the one where the ball was played long, and Matip kind of headed it backwards, and Havertz headed it down, and Felix shot over the bar. Yes, yes, yes. And Ali so, came out and had a roar at people for not getting back and not picking up the runner in Felix. Yeah. And Henderson, who had ambled about five yards rather than sprinting back then rushed over to have a go with Ali. Well, this just makes it far, far worse because not only does it look bad, it actually is bad. Yeah. And I'm- so it, it, it's like it's like this sort of gorgeous metaphor for everything that, you know, people have been saying about the fella. It's just, I hate to say it, I don't want to say it, but like if people don't, uh, like, uh, be honest, I'm seeing these daft debates going on, on Twitter still. About the captain, the captain. The fucking armband doesn't matter. If the guy is an empty shirt, he's an empty shirt. shirt. The armband doesn't make him a better player. He's like, I keep seeing people say, oh, well, like, he's a better captain than Gerard. Oh, why is he a better captain than Gerard? Oh, well, he won more. Right. Well, is he a better captain than Gerard or is he just very fortunate that he played with a much better team than Gerard? Like, him lifting those trophies doesn't elevate what he is as a player. It doesn't improve what he is as a player. It means he's had better teammates around him. But like tonight, we see him have a temper tantrum at either Gomez or Curtis because he was offside. Because he was offside, he had a tantrum at them. He had a tantrum at Gomez over Joe not getting back quickly enough to cover Kovacic, who, by the way, was Henderson's man. And then he has that go at Ali. And I saw some people say, oh, he's the captain. He's there to hold others accountable. Well, who's holding him accountable? He hasn't made a single tackle in the game. Kovacic has had the freedom of the park to roam through. The Havertz goal that got disallowed all began because he shot himself in a tackle that he was 60-40 favoured to win the ball for and managed to lose. Like, you, you can hold players accountable as captain if you're actually performing. The reason Roy Keane could go and scream in players' faces was because week after week, he was world-class. The same for Vieira. The same for Carlos Puyol. These type of captains, these type of leaders who held people accountable, who screamed at others and dragged them into position and got in their faces, they had a right to do that because they were earning the right to do that with their performances. He seems to think it's his God-given right to do it because Brendan Rodgers gave him an armband eight years ago because Rodgers wanted a yes-man. That's what he seems to think. If you're performing as badly as he has this season and last season and the season before, others are going to look at you and think, who the fuck are you to have a go at me? And tonight we've seen Gomez and Ali snap back at him. We've seen Trent snap back at him a few times this season. Virgil had a pop at him a couple of times, including once against City. Like, this is going to become more and more prevalent, and it's going to become toxic. Because it's one thing when the team is winning, you know, lauding him for 
shouting and bawling and pointing and doing whatever it is he's doing. But when the team is this bad, you as the captain have got to be first man to the line. You've got to be the one putting in that extra bit. Zero tackles in 95 minutes. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, so basically, whoever wants to come at you or me or anybody else who's having a go, just look at the statistics. For the love of fuck, love, look at the statistics and stop talking about these stupid sort of old-fashioned, I hate to say it, but stiff upper lip rule Britannia bollocks about what a captain is. Who cares? Just do the job. Stephen Gerrard, the reason people think they can say that about Stephen Gerrard as a captain as opposed to Henderson is because Gerrard was not – Gerrard's head would go. Gerrard's yeah. mood could influence the whole team. And they had some very valid points. There's some very valid points being made about Gerrard as a captain. But the main reason that he was a great captain was that he was a completely different style of captain yeah. who inspired by performance. That's it. As a, as Gerrard to- was – Jared was the first man to the line. If a tackle needed to be made, he'd fucking launch himself in. He might not win the ball, and he might end up getting a red card, but he'd make the tackle. And the thing for Gerard is Gerard had the guy who'd bark at people in Carragher because it's always overlooked. Liverpool didn't have one captain in the Gerard era. They had two. In fact, they had three for a number of years because Sammy was there. So you had Carragher and Sammy, they would hold people accountable. So Stevie didn't have to do it. And Stevie has been very open about this. He's spoken about this a number of times. I didn't have to ball players out because Carragher would do it. And while Carragher had his limitations as a player, you'd never doubt his commitment. He was generally a 7 out of 10, an unspectacular 7 out of 10 every week. That's how he had the career he had, because he was consistently decent to good you can't be throwing in three out of tens for this long and shouting and bawling at people yeah and to be fair as well there was also the the um the i know the guys dirty this babe a lot but there was the haman era and there was also the gary mack era so you had you had lads who were pulling stevie along and helping him out doing those type of things you're talking about but it has to come down to performance and harry i want to bring you in on this because as you've been pointing out in the chat the (laughs) show is slipping away from us and we still haven't talked about any of the details and i feel like this is what raw is going to be between now and the end of the year so don't 
hold it against us. We won't go long, I promise. But I do want to, I do want to just bring you in this and give you an opportunity to talk about it because it's a very, very controversial subject and you wade into it at your, uh, at, at, at your, your own very, at your peril because you can be, absolutely lambasted by certain corners of the interwebs who want to say things about captains and like i said i'm i'm an irishman um but it has to me a very sort of old sort of traditional english feel to it an awful lot of the defense because again look at the stats harry this isn't about jumping on Henderson specifically, Fabinho has been atrocious this year. Let's be clear about this. The guy at form has fallen off a cliff. Do you put any store by the whole idea that their legs are gone, they've been overplayed? And is it possible to put any store by that when we've just spent quite a lot of the early part of the show talking about the options that were there and not used? Mm. Yeah, I, I was casting my mind back to the game uh, last season at Stamford Bridge as well. Um, I think it was that one like a 2-2. I forget how it ended exactly, but it was a really open game. I think we went 2-0 up early on, if I don't remember, something like that. But um, I remember after the game, I think we did, we did a Raw after the game, and we spoke about yeah, one thing that could cost us in the title race was We've been in, we've been involved in too many great games, you know, too many games where like the Liverpool side that won the league would have gone ahead and that would have been it. It would have been over in terms of sort of the opposition feeling like they had a chance to get back into the game, Liverpool yeah. giving them chances to get back into the game. Instead, it was a really entertaining end to end game, really open chances for both teams and it ended up to be like a score draw. Um, we were worried that was going to cost us in the title race. That's obviously a very different discussions we're having now than we were having then but I mean I feel like we've, we've been speaking for so long I feel like uh, around this elephant in the room that is the lack of control that we have over games in terms of our, our, our ability on the ball in midfield and it's been that way largely since let's say since since Ginny left and since we put a midfield out that didn't include uh, you know, prime versions of Fabinho and uh, you know, a fully fit Thiago for example with those two midfielders in that three, whoever was there really, um, they could more or less hold their own in terms of sort of being talented enough and good enough of a, a pair that they could help us get through games. I think what we're seeing now, and I, I've, I've had um, some criticism for this as well, to be honest, in terms of uh, putting two and two together, but I, I do personally believe that Fabinho's decline has been accelerated by the fact that he's had to do far too much defensive work largely on his own for quite a long time now uh, and he's had injuries as well that always impact a player's career but I, I do believe that that is a large reason why he has declined so quickly uh, Henderson's decline I, th- I think has been pretty obvious to most people I, I don't really care that he's the captain I mean I think it's fantastic that, we, that we've won these trophies under um, the time whilst he's been captain, I'm sure he's very proud of it. He should be proud of it. It's a, it's a great achievement as a professional footballer. All the, all these things. Seems like a lovely, a lovely guy as well. Like all his ambassador stuff. Great. Fantastic. It, it really doesn't matter in the scheme of putting your best players onto the pitch to win games and compete for trophies. He's no longer 
in Liverpool's best 11. It has been quite a while since that's been the case. We don't really seem to have many options that the manager's willing to trust at this stage. So I'm sort of resigned to the fact that we will see him again and again and again starting games uh, until the end of the season. Um, and in, unless there's actually genuine quality brought in in the summer uh, in, in his position that you feel comfortable enough that they're, they're going to start week in, week out, you can't imagine him having um, a continued role in this side because of the contract. Um, it's it's a it's a debate that does I have to be honest like there's so much so many other really concerning things going on at the moment that it almost feels like a waste to talk about um, Henderson but it's it's there and I I I can't help but think you're playing with these people week in week out you're, you're you are working with these people this is your job and you're seeing people not just him but people underperform on a regular basis and they face no consequences for it at all. In fact, sometimes they bark at you on the pitch. It's, it's impossible to maintain a positive dynamic amongst the team in that situation. So I'm not surprised that so many of them look like they really despise playing with each other at the moment. You know, Just, I, I, just the last thing on this, right? Just, just for the season. He's played 25 games in the league. Okay. He's averaging 0.6 interceptions and 0.8 tackles per game. So less than one tackle a game he's making. He's averaging less than zero. He's averaging 0.6 interceptions, winning the ball back 0.4 times a game. Clearances 0.4. Like this, that's, that's abysmal. That's absolutely abysmal. So you'd say, okay, well, is he making up for it on the other end? Yeah, is, is, there is, key, he, is there a key passes thing? 0.6 key passes per game. Three big chances created on the season and one assist. Right. So what's he actually offering? Like, what is he actually offering on the pitch? Because it's not his legs anymore because they're gone. And what's left is a technically limited player who doesn't like to tackle. Like... How do you play 25 games in a Liverpool midfield and get two yellow cards? Like, seriously. Jordan Henderson's legs were the thing that kept Jordan Henderson in the yeah. team. Jordan Henderson's legs would have... Pro- they made propelled. his career. They, they made his career they and they're gone. They would have propelled us to a league title under Brendan fucking Rogers if he hadn't gotten sent off when he did. This is the reality of it. This is what so much of his game was about. And um, the fact that our manager can't see that that's a worry. Harry, let's talk about the first half as a unit um, because there's a lot of stuff going on here. It mostly begins with Simicus being awful. There's a terrible Simicus pass in three minutes. Uh, Felix carries the ball, twists and turns, and Joel gets a good block in, and that's the tone set for the for the game. Right, that's the way it goes. Joel then manages to uh, ping a gorgeous diagonal ball across the pitch, and you're going, ah, I love Joel. Five minutes. Simicus loses out again versus Kante, I think, this time. They spring a counter. There are two different attempts. I can't remember who it was. I think it was, I think it was Kovacic. I'm not 100% or, or Enzo. I'm not sure. Um, 10 minutes in. Simicus should do better with a cross after a good break, uh, with Bobby Central. And in that period of time, even though there's nothing for me to note in terms of specific buildup, I've noted down that Firmino was really good with all his, his, his play in that period, that first 10, 15 minutes. 
Ali has to make a point blank save on 11 minutes, um, a few feet out from the goal versus Havertz, who's connecting with a Chilwell cross. And things are starting to look grim. 16 minutes, there's a Felix shot blocked by Fab. Um, a lot of lads slipping, I've noticed at this point. 23 minutes, Fernandez is offside, uh, from a Havertz flick. And James batters the ball home. It goes to VAR. The goal's not given because the slimmest of margins sees Fernandez offside. On 28 minutes, Havertz pulls a left footer across goal. I think it was Kante played him in. Um, 35 minutes, Ali's pissing about and early that's Havertz in. It's another bit of a clown cars moment. Uh, 43 minutes, a dangerous ball in from their right-hand side. Havertz fluffs it again. 44 minutes, we register our first shot. Darwin with a long-range speculative effort straight at the keeper. 45 minutes, Jota tries to cut back when he should shoot. Cucurella blocks it. There's a corner from that. Fab has an effort and should do better with it, to be fair. 47 minutes, Joe Gomez has a great dig. Um, raiding forward from the right. Um, it's headed towards the top corner, well saved or um, competently saved by Kepa. The corner that results leads to another opportunity for us. It's a Simicus corner, which finds eventually goes across the face of goal and finds Fabinho. His goal bound shot is headed behind by Fafana very well. Uh, and it leads to a corner from which we get nothing. Now, bar the little spell at the end, the little flurry at the end, we're comprehensively outplayed I think you'll agree in that first half anything you want to pick out specifically and talk about that was really resonating with you there yeah I mean I, I think similar to you I was encouraged by uh, the way in which Bobby started the game sort of very neat and tidy the touch was there um, sort of the, the the feints the turns were there and I was sort of having mild glimpses or sort of like uh, memories of, of obviously sort of what Bobby used to be like at his best obviously d- didn't end up coming anywhere close to that tonight uh, but was was briefly encouraged by that uh, in, in terms of defensively uh, yeah I thought it was a real really really poor performance uh, I think what I was talking about at the start about you know, if you don't have the players to, to to adopt the style that we were trying to play like don't do it. Uh, you're inviting pressure. I thought you saw, as much as I love uh, Kanate, I think he's a real, real talent. Yeah, he's, he hasn't got the on-the-ball ability um, and uh, the adventuring spirit uh, that Joel Matip has uh, you know, at his best, anyway. Um, and Simikas, I think you're saying that, yeah, again, we always want him to have his opportunities, but really seemed to be targeted early on, uh, finding it very, very difficult to deal with uh, the combination of Reese James, actually some of the triangles Chelsea were creating on that side, as Dave mentioned, a real strong side for them with Enzo tucking in as well. So, yeah, the way in which they were cutting through us, uh, through us with ease, um, some of the juggling tackles and interceptions that you, that you mentioned, Trev, that you could see the players making, not nothing controlled about what we were doing. We were hanging on uh, and we were getting last-ditch tackles in there, um, players covering for other players out who are out of position. Uh, even Kanate as well, I think, is often one that we don't um, blame too much because he's, he's one of the most talented in the group. But being very, very aggressive, trying to win the ball high up and help us help us counter, but uh, missing a number of those challenges and inviting Chelsea on to 
you know, dangerous counterattacks if they'd had any sort of meaningful striker on the end of them. So, yeah, if, it didn't feel quite as bad as uh, um, a domination as we saw, obviously, City give us uh, in that first half at the Etihad. But yeah, similar dynamic to the game of, of Liverpool not being convincing defensively in terms of a robust performance, but just about hanging on uh, and uh, riding their luck at the fact that Chelsea didn't really have much much attacking threat. So uh, another one of those games where I thought surely, you know, surely after the, the after the last game against City, having put in that performance and, and gotten away with so many things, you, you, you have to take opportunities in those situations, uh, like force a little bit of of, of, of chaos in their defense because they were nervous. You, know, they, 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 you, you could see there was no pattern to our attacking play, but you could see probably that our individuals could cause them trouble if we could just work them enough uh, chances. But unfortunately, it was just a lot of hoofball, uh, a lot of hit and hope, and um, seeing forwards basically do channel runs for for 45 minutes, which wasn't uh, wasn't too pleasant. Can I ask you to respond to a quote which I've seen here from Jurgen Klopp in the uh, uh, aftermath? Super attitude, super mentality. That's what I saw. Yeah. Uh, Your your hot take to that, Harry Sethi, was it? (laughs) uh, To be a football manager, you have to be a liar. Uh, And I think we've seen Jurgen lie like repeatedly throughout his his time at Liverpool. Uh, Of course, it winds me up. I mean, I I think I, I, I was searching through Sopranos gifts to to add to it because I just think you know, it's some sort of therapy session at this stage uh, I mean super attitude in the sense that is uh, you know you're you're out there um, but <laughs> it, was, it was not much in the way of I mean like, they, they they didn't look happy to be out there they didn't look convinced yeah. about what they were doing um, but yeah I mean I, I I don't think we'll see the day where Jurgen comes out and goes, oh, just you know, t- you know terrible attitude, terrible, like d- terrible energy, especially in a moment like this. He's 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 just got to say that. It's, it's no one's believing it for a second. But but does that work, Harry? Because he's been doing this all season with this same type of superlative bullshit. Yeah. Maybe it is time to just come out and say it's not fucking good enough. Maybe it is time to come out and say the attitude, the performance levels are not good enough. I'd agree with you if, if I if I thought that he wasn't also, unfortunately, largely to blame for quite a lot of this as well. Oh, I, I don't think I he's got the authority agree that he to is. Say But at the end of the day, the season is lost. There's mm-hmm. 10 games left. We're not going to get top four. And what has he got to lose? If, if it comes down to a choice between him and the players, the owners yeah. will pick him. No, so of course. Yeah. You can rest assured with that. Like We've gone out today and we've played a team that this season in the Premier League had scored 29 Premier League goals. 29 goals in 29 games. They're averaging a goal a game. Now, Kovacic misses a massive one-on-one by skying it over the bar. Him missing that chance is not a positive for us. We should be worried about the creation of that chance and how it is he was allowed to run through unmarked. Havertz has a goal disallowed because the shot pings back up off Ali and hits him on the arm, which he has close to his body. And I think if it was us having that goal disallowed, we'd be a little bit annoyed about it. But let's say he lifted his arm and it hit him on the side and bounced in. And let's say Kovacic scores. It's the exact same game. It's the exact same performance. Nobody's done anything that they didn't do on our side. 
they've done exactly the same thing, but we're coming away with a 2-0 defeat. Is super that, mentality, though. Is super that super mentality? Is that super effort? Is that super attitude? Or is that just shit? Because it's we, we shit fall into a trap of, of forgiving our players when the opposition don't take chances. This used to happen all the time with Lovren. He would make an error, one of their players would miss a big chance, and people would go, oh, it doesn't matter because it didn't go in. But that's not the point. The point is he's made the error. And the point is that if he doesn't learn from that error and he continues to make the same errors, eventually we will get punished. And that's what eventually happened with Lovren. That's what will happen with this team. If we're playing a team tonight that can actually score goals, they take those chances and go out 2-0 winners. Their front two tonight have scored nine league goals between them. Yeah, Arsenal hockeyists on that performance tonight. Yeah. Hockeyists. And here's the thing that I just... It it deserves it deserves saying I suppose I I was listening to again the under pressure lads and it was they were echoing a point that I made and for them it's an intangible or intangible intangible uh, that you know it really is I I think it was Cy Brundish who was saying it but it's an important point and we we do need in in the defence of these guys who've given us so much joy we do need to make the point that. They have unendured these guys. Uh, Henderson, Robertson, Virgil, Trent, the likes of these guys, Bobby. They have endured a horrific amount of loss. You know, just really traumatic, if you're a professional sports person, loss. In the face of odds that are completely and utterly skewed and unfair um, with the City thing in the league and with Real in the Champions League. They have had battering after battering. They've gone toe-to-toe and ended up losing again and again. And I don't want to excuse what we're seeing now but I do want to say that it's got to have a contributing factor to the overall feeling that's in the squad now where lads are just going what the fuck do we have to do and am I arsed I gotta say that I think it's as simple as this I, I, I think people are overthinking it I think these guys have had one too many shots to the head they're, they're punch drunk. They're yeah. punch drunk Dave they're punch drunk and the poor bastards I want to hug every one of them and say, listen, you know, it's not your fault. I want to do a Robin Williams. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I have tremendous empathy for these guys. I, like Tremendous empathy. You know, and, and that is the flip side, right? That is the flip side here. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. 
you can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Oh, 100%. But that's where you turn attention to the manager. And you ask the question, Absolutely. Why did you let them off the stool for another round? Why didn't you throw in the towel? If after last season, Jürgen had broken that team up and he'd moved on Mane and he'd moved on Henderson and he'd moved on Fabinho and he'd moved on Matip and whoever else and said, that's the end of that era. We're closing the book on that one, but we've got a whole sequel to come with new characters that you'll fall in love with. Then you look, if we were, if we had had a big rebuild begin in the summer and we were eighth or seventh as we are now, you'd accept that because you'd be like, right, the bright times are ahead of us. Exactly. Everyone would be buzzing. Whereas, whereas the difference is now nobody can see the way forward. Nobody believes there's going to be enough money invested to change this squad wholesale the way it needs to be changed. Nobody believes the manager's going to go in there and kick lads in the head and say, if you want to keep me, this is what needs to happen. Nobody believes any of that. No. And and, and those who do are, God love them. I mean, they're, they, they, they probably believe our alien space brothers are going to save us as well. Like, I mean, there's daft stuff going on there in terms of the hope. It's hopium. It is exactly what it is. It's hopes and dreams. But I just, like, I can't get past pointing the finger at Jürgen for this season. Look, we all know the owners and how they are. We do. We know that they don't like to spend money, and that's whatever it is. But no manager in world football, no manager has the backing of his fan base the way Jürgen has from Liverpool fans. No. Not even Guardiola. The only manager I can think of in recent times that has had this level of backing would be Ferguson. And Ferguson knew when players needed to be moved on. He knew when things needed to be changed. But he also knew when he had to be public about calling on the owners to back him. He also knew when he had to go privately to the owners and say, look, I need you to back me here. And I need you to just say, yes. You give me a yes. I'll tell you later how much I'm spending. But I need the yes now. And Jürgen doesn't seem to ever want to do that. He's never, ever criticized the owners publicly. He's made a few comments about, oh, I don't make the decisions. But we know that he does make the decisions on, you know, if we buy a player or if we don't buy a player. But there's no way that if he went to Fenway Sports Group and said, look, here's the situation, lads. I've been here now seven and a half years. I have spent 
less money in my time at this club than whatever it is, 14 or 15 of the other clubs in the Premier League. I've spent less money than Everton. I have delivered you a league title and a European Cup and two domestic cups. And I was within a couple of points of two more league titles and a couple of bits of luck of one or two more European Cups. And I've done that on minimal investment. So here's the situation. You either back me or I'm leaving. There is zero chance, zero chance that ownership group could turn around to him and say no. No chance. Because if he were to leave and it came out that that's why he'd left, their position at the club would become untenable. And the valuation of the club would drop very, very drastically when people protested by not turning up, when people boycotted buying stuff from their overly priced club shop, and when people started to make it public how disliked they were. They're not popular as it is. They would be despised. There is no chance they wouldn't have backed him on the back of last season. If he'd gone to them and said, I need this to start now. I need you to just give me the green light. Like, they will spend when needed. They did it in the summer of 18. He went to them after we lost the final to to Real and said, lads, like, let's get this shit going. And they were able to put money in. I know they had some Coutinho money, but remember, a lot of that went, all of that actually went on Virgil and Naby. So the money for who else arrived that summer? Fab, Allison, and Shakiri. That was all money that they had to fund. Now it was only in around a hundred million, but the standards were different then. That was a long time ago. If he went to them and said, I need you to back me now and I need you to back me in a big fucking way, they would do it. They would do it. They'd have to do it. But he was the one that said no. He And he's come out and said it himself. He said he got it wrong. He said he thought he had enough in midfield. He did interviews with sycophants and said, oh, tell me what midfield right... And they were laughing. Like, oh, it's man. on him. This season's on him. <laughs> that video. And he, he's the one that has to fix this. Yeah, that video clip just haunts me. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Harry, I'm going to just absolutely drive this into a wall and completely abandon the formula because nothing happens <laughs> in the second half that's worth a shit. So what I'm going to do... Obviously, they, they score a goal, goes to VR, whatever. Okay. I, listen, the details of the matches at this stage are secondary to the far greater existential issues that are surrounding the club. That's what we're trying to talk about tonight. That's what we've talked about tonight. I, I have a feeling it's what we're going to talk about between now and the end of the year. But There's no ref me- watch. No ref. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I want to do a ref watch, except it's Anthony Taylor. What can we say that's different or new about that horrible, useless lump? Um, I think he was. I think he was fairer to us than he needed to be. Oh, a hundred percent. I think Fabinho should have been booked early. Canate should have been booked. When Curtis got booked from out, and Canate should have been booked for that tackle. Yeah, he did us yeah. a couple of favors. Now he was. He was fucking awful for both teams. 
But I do think he does a couple of favours there as well. So let me ask you, Harry, to bring it home in terms of your assessment of the game overall, your final takes. What do you reckon? And then we'll finish with Dave and we'll get ourselves the hell out of here. What do you reckon? What's what's the takeaway, including, you know, if you want to pick out some specific details from the second half, but just overall, like where we are, what's going on? Yeah, I think I, I, I think we're in a bad place, uh, and I, I I think the solutions um, to to the issues that we have uh, lie in changes that the manager will need to make, um, both to sort of the way in which he approaches things, but also to his to his squad. Um, I I think the the muddled thinking that we've seen from the coaching setup and from from the manager. Uh, certainly, um, in sort of recent months, throughout the entire season, let's, let's, let's face it. Uh, I, I don't really have much, much hope that m- much will change, uh, when it comes to sort of the, the performances Liverpool are currently putting in until, let's say, um, until maybe Diaz comes back to fitness for some sort of lift in the attacking sense, but I think Thiago is the bigger absence at the moment. I think that there, there is the capacity for us to improve at our performance level to improve with him in the team. Uh, that is uh, something I'm clicking to at the moment because I, I, I don't think that there's much chance that there's going to be a, uh, an acceptance of you know, tactical mistakes or tactical approach because we, we seem to be making the same mistake over and over and over again. There's always the chance of individual brilliance because there are individually brilliant footballers in this in this team still in the squad, and uh, I think they're they're capable of of giving us moments of joy uh, amongst all the sort of carnage uh, for the remainder of the season. But no, I, I do admit it's, it's 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 a tough it's a tough situation because I I feel as though the squad has been aware for quite a while of what the solutions to the problems are, uh, and those solutions were not forthcoming in the January window. They should be in the summer, but they weren't forthcoming in January. Uh, and I think that they are aware that this is a manager who uh, is uh, exhibiting all sorts of muddled thinking at the moment. Um, there's there's some favoritism going on. That's no doubtedly. So that's not a word. No doubt has uh, um, spread across the dressing room. I think I think pl- plenty of people were quick to sort of you know. I think I had one guy telling me, oh, "You've clearly never been in a team before. You know, this, this is what happens in a team. Sometimes you call you, you call each other out and you know, things like that." I've I've, I've been watching football. I mean, I, not as long as you guys, and, and you, you remind me that remind me of that sometimes. But long enough to know that uh, I think what we saw from Henderson tonight, and what we've seen from others uh, in recent games, certainly uh, is is a bit more than you calling out your mates who you 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 play with in a team. I think it's genuine dislike and disharmony amongst a group, which is sad to see because this is a group that has achieved so much together, right? And um, and that's why I think the, the analogy you were giving about the boxer and you know, throwing in the towel or knowing when to throw in the towel for certain people, not asking them to get up again uh, and go out there. And I feel as though the manager and, and, and the club have let the, the squad down um, more than the squad has let themselves down this season. I think there's some players there who are just not of the level anymore uh, and they should have been. Um, sort of allowed to sort of drift off uh, and, and have good endings as opposed to what's happening now where uh, the longer we watch them, they're starting to sort of tarnish 
some of their legacies as well. So, yeah, it's not the most optimistic outlook for me, but like I'm, I'm putting a lot on Thiago's return there. Uh, and um, maybe even some glimmers from Diaz as well. But yeah, I thought the actual performance today, really poor. Um, incredibly lucky to get that point or take the point all day uh, and just hope for better things. Uh, I can only apologize for any reverse uh, ageism that we've thrown. No, no, it's fine. Like, it's, 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 it's right. I, I just, I think I, I get, I get comments, I think on online sometimes about like, oh, I've clearly been watching football for two weeks. That's why I, I come uh, up these baseless, uh, these baseless takes, right? Well, that's tough because uh, you are amongst the most astute uh, readers of the game that we've uh, we've we've had to talk to, and that's a simple fact. <laughs> and can I can I get from you whether or not you're going to actually do any podcasts? Yes, no, there will be, there will be. Yeah, I I I can also show a super attitude uh, for the for the, for the, for the <laughs> remainder of the season. Uh, I, I will do. I will be there, like Guardiola says. I will be there. Uh, <laughs> the Yes, there will be a rivalry con ahead of Liverpool versus Arsenal. Uh, this is a game I have to be absolutely dreading, uh, given sort of, uh, of course you are, yeah. spoken about the North London contingent in, in my family. Uh, I mean, that's, but I, I also should be looking forward to it in sort of the vague hope that we can, um, sabotage Arsenal's season. Uh, but let's, let's, let's just see. Uh, but there will be a rivalry con ahead of that game, uh, on the ninth. Good hustle. I have. Personally, decided that um, the lesser of two evils is another city title rather than Arsenal. <laughs> That's where I am right now. I really do not want those fuckers to win the league. So, um, much and all as I despise City in, in, and everything about them, that's where I'm at. What, what, have, what has become of us? Dave, take us home, man. Your last thoughts. And if you want to flag up anything you've got going on as well. I, I just. <laughs> I just think that was an absolutely atrocious game of football. I think we got more than we deserved from said game of football. And I think Jurgen's comments after the game are, are nonsense. And while we sit and we look at, you know, this Chelsea team and laugh at the fact that they're in the predicament that they're in, I do think there's a much clearer path for them to get where they want to go than there is for us because if they fall into a good managerial appointment, they're only probably a couple of players away because they've done so much recruitment and because next season so many of these players will improve just through familiarity with their teammates and, you know, having Enzo the full year and Fafana not getting hurt hopefully next season and Badi Ashida to come in and Levi Caldwell to come back off loan and, you know, Malo Gusto comes in so they're, they're going to have, you know, two good right wing backs, two good left wing backs They'll have a group of six really good centre-backs. They've got a strong group of midfielders. You might throw one extra in there. They've got Nkunku coming in. If they find the right player to play with him and get some more goals, they're probably only going to be a goalkeeper away if they fall into the right managerial appointment. You'd look at our team and you'd say, we need an entirely new midfield. And I think we need a new left-back. But the bigger issue is... Is our manager too attached to these players to make the changes necessary? And even if he gets some of these players in the door, is he willing to play them over the likes of Henderson? Is he willing to play them over the likes of Andy Robertson? Or is it just going to be the same thing? Is he still going to be bringing on 
James Milner with 11 minutes to go in a game that we could go and win when you've got Fabio Carvalho on the bench and you could just go to a two-man midfield and go 4-2-3-1, throw Carvalho on and try and get a goal. Or you could bring Arthur Mello on. Now, look, I'm not saying Arthur's the answer. He probably isn't the answer. But I know that James Milner is definitely not the answer. So I would take the small chance that Arthur could do something over the knowledge that Milner is going to come on and not do anything. I, I, we just, we seem like a, like a rudderless ship at the moment. We seem like we're lost. And it is hard to see how we get back, knowing that we have owners who don't like to spend, knowing that we have a manager that won't make the demands that are needed and then likely won't make the changes and the hard decisions that are needed. Like, the great thing about Ferguson was when his captains were no longer producing at what he desired to be the required level, he didn't just take the armband off them. He got rid of them. Brian Robson, one of the greatest English midfielders of all time, binned them off. Steve Bruce, two-time Premier League winning captain, binned them off. Roy Keane, arguably the best midfielder the Premier League has ever seen, without question the best captain the Premier League has seen, binned him off. And he was performing at a much better level than what Henderson's performing at. And they were, they were Keane and Robson were great, great players. They were best in class. They were always among the best players in their team when they played. I don't know that Jürgen has it in him to move Henderson on. And I think he needs to be moved on because I don't think there can be a transition of power with him remaining at the club. I don't think Jürgen can say, Jordan, you've done brilliantly. Thanks for everything. I'm taking the armband and I'm putting it on Virgil or I'm putting it on Ali or I'm putting it on whoever. Because Henderson has shown a track record of not accepting being left out of the team. Not accepting when things don't go his way. When his contract talk didn't go his way, he went to the media about it. Mo didn't say a word to the media and yet got abused because he was being greedy, apparently. There's a double standard here that's unacceptable. And I, I do worry that Jürgen's unwillingness to rock the boat and his want of harmony is going to slow us down. We've lost this season. We lost the 2021 season. That's two out of three, just thrown away in the primes of some great, some of the best players we've ever had. Next season, because of how bad this season has gone, because of how much we need to do, next season is going to be a season of transition. Next season will be new players settling in and trying to, you know, to get to know each other and establish themselves. Jesus. Which means that we're looking at the following season before we really challenge again. And that's that's if we do the rebuild properly this summer. If we half-arse it, then we'll have to finish it next summer. And by that summer, then you're going to have to start having conversations of, do we need to replace Mo? Do we need to replace Virgil? Thiago's now out the door, so there's another player we need in. So kicking the can down the road, which is basically the model that we followed – could mean that it's three or four years before we're ready to compete again with largely an entirely new team, bar maybe Trent, Kanate, Darwin, Diaz, 
that might be it. Gakpo will be around, of course, and a few of the younger players. But also, Jurgen's contract will run out. So then you've got that question. Like it's, this summer needs to be massive, and it needs to be ruthless. It needs to be a teardown. And Jurgen needs to just bite the bullet and just say to some of these lads, thank you for everything, but good luck on your way. It's n- it's no longer tenable here. And I don't think he's going to do it because I don't think he's that type of personality. Not not to have a pop at him. It's not a negative thing. It, it's one of his great strengths is that he is such a, a great team builder. He is such a great motivator and a man manager. But because he's got that loyalty to players, I think it's a bit of a, a bit of a red flag. It, it's what was his ultimate demise at Dortmund. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll just leave it on a downer, but at least it's a point. And here's my hot take for the day. I think we beat Arsenal at the weekend and I think Jota ends his drought. I think we beat them at Anfield and because we're good at home and I think Jota ends his drought. So there's the positive to leave it on. Uh, two-footed pot every day, daily red every day, a couple of new things in the works. Uh, there's a buzz pod that myself and Trev have been promising each other for weeks. We'll try and get that put together. I think I'm recording with Grizz this week as well, and there'll be a scouted with Carl for the Arsenal game. We will also have Molby on the spot, myself and the big man on Thursday, and we'll be back, obviously, for the Arsenal Raw, and we will have on Friday AIP, which is a delightful sort of step uh, out of the intensity um, every week that I enjoy doing with Cam and Lisa Marie and Carl's been out of the loop for a while but Guy's often quite in there so that is also a joy we will do our best to keep you entertained we will absolutely keep doing these podcasts it is a privilege to do them despite the fact that occasionally we feel like uh, it's a chore but that's just us being um a little bit precious it is a privilege this for you i hope you've enjoyed our chat tonight and we will be back with you to talk about arsenal and to talk about every other game between now and the end of the season on raw i've been trev downey that was harry sethi and dave hendrick fair play to the two lads for absolutely predictably wonderful contributions and we'll talk to you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.